This is the Journey Podcast. We highlight the journeys of our guests, where they've been, where they are now, and where they are going. Let's join them on their journey. Well, welcome to the Journey Podcast. Today we are joined by Marsha Van Weinsberg, and she's a storytelling business coach, which I love. She's also a speaker and an author, and she has, uh, I believe, two podcasts, uh, of course, and is one of our wonderful guests today. Uh, Marsha is the six-time best-selling author of When She Stopped Asking Why, and we're going to talk a little bit about that book today, and she also shares her lessons as a parent who dealt with teen substance abuse that tore her family unit apart. Marsha has been published seven times, and most recently, her co-platform, Everybody Holds a Story. She is on a mission to continue to help women and men speak, share, and publish their stories. Through her tools, NLP certification programs, coaching, and podcast, Marsha teaches the power of radio responsibility, owning your choices in your own life, and she empowers people on how to heal and their own and own their stories be conscious leaders, and build platform businesses that create massive impact. And I really think that Marsha embodies the type of guests that we try to find and deliver here on the Journey podcast after our pre-conversations. I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today, Marsha. How are you today? Oh, thank you so much, Nate. I am very good, and I'm grateful to be here. Well, thank you so much. So you have A lot to talk about. So I'm really excited about that. So tell us a little bit about you, the coaching you do, your book. Just just give us an overview of all that. Perfect. Thank you so much. I I do a lot of different things and it evolved that way, which I think is a beautiful thing. Is when I found myself in a very difficult story, dealing with teen substance abuse, trying to figure out how to navigate it dealing with the criticism, shame, judgments, and still trying to fix everything that was happening. I lost myself for a long time until I got to a space of learning how to take responsibility for myself, own my choices, which is literally the name of my podcast for a reason. And as I started to do that and started to really work on myself, I got to a space of recognizing that my story could help others. And when I could put purpose behind the worst experience of my life for me personally, it created a lot of change. It really helped to create a lot of change, helped me to heal and it helped to fuel me that I could do more with my story. So for the first few years, all I did was speak on stages, write books and didn't really do a ton of coaching until I started to recognize that I was getting men and women coming to me saying, but how do you share a difficult story? Like, I don't understand how to do it. Like, how do you leave people in integrity? How do you do things like that? Because I think, especially in this social media world, that's not always what we see, right? There's a lot of angry back forth, finger pointing, things like that, that that's not leaving people in integrity. And so as I started to really hear those messages, I went, oh, people want to know how to share stories. And that's really where a lot of this came from is I've worked with clients who have started podcasts, who speak on stages, who have um, written collaborative chapters. And then I've just slowly taken it into a space of 
publishing books, helping people to write their stories, and now working towards solo books, as well as my own coaching certification for with NLP tools to help people to learn how to share their stories. And that's fascinating. Um, how to share your story in the right way, because oftentimes either social media is so like, toxic and angry or it's like here i am traveling i don't know in the maldives and it's like not realistic because i don't know who has time to do that or the money and maybe maybe people do um but if you understand the magic of social media you can take one little snippet of time and really use it for a long period of time really recycle that content uh, which is is magical in itself, but it's also just depicting the wrong uh, reality that's happening out there. So, how does one, you know, how, how does one even like start that journey? Like, how do I share my story? Like, how did you start that journey? Of how did you start sharing your story the right way? I that's a great question. Actually, um, I didn't do it right at first because I couldn't figure it right. We have to learn by doing and figure it out. And it's not that I did it wrong, but I found ways to do it better. And in the beginning, as I was trying to figure out how to heal, like where it started was a place that I never would have expected. We had a very open relationship with the school of what was going on. They, I didn't try and hide it. And you know, we think that nobody knows what's going on, but everybody does know what's going on when you're going through a challenge. And so they actually had my husband and I come in and speak to a couple parents. And when we did that, I remember finishing that night and he and I kind of looked at each other and went, this, this might be something. And then from there, it was, you know, the very first couple of events were super small and intimate. And I just started to find a way to share like my story, my, my experience and what I had come through. And in the first couple of times that I did it, I was bombarded by moms afterwards. Like I, it actually was a little bit, it was, it was a lot to take in and, but being bombarded by moms who would say that was my story, but I've never told anyone. And I'm like, what? Like you've held on to something this traumatic for 30 years, 40 years, and you've said nothing. And I think that became such an eye opener for me that how many of us are holding on to a shame story and letting it define us, like letting it take over what we say yes and no to. It really does rule our life. When in all honesty, we all have them. We all have stories. We all have difficult stories. So that that's really where it started. And then the stages got a little bit bigger and I started to, I published in uh, three collaborative books and then decided that I wanted to write my own book And that was an adventure on its own was learning how to share a really vulnerable story in a solo book. And that actually became a big piece of the platform that has got me to where I am today. And so when I decided to do that back then, I mean, I often say, I wish I could say that everybody was very encouraging and be doing it. That's just not the case because nobody wants nobody. Like it's this thing of, we don't talk about difficult things in life. And I, I fully believe that's why we are where we are is because we're not being real relatable and finding ways to do it. Right. A lot of people jump into this whole victim bandwagon screaming, like that doesn't, that's not a solution based way to share. 
And so I just started to step on that path. And there was a day when my husband said to me, if we get through this and things turn with our kids and everything is good, are you still that committed to this, this path? And I'm like, 100%. And that's literally was where it just started. So I believe that most difficult thing that I walked through set me up to do the work that I do today. And I couldn't imagine not doing the work I get to do today. So you, you went about writing that solo book and and, and that book is, which book is that? When she stopped asking why. When, when she stopped asking why you, when you wrote that book, um, kind of a, kind of a perception, I think that I've had to overcome when telling people my story. I haven't gone down the path of writing a book, but you know, the, the first thing is um, they try to help you solve the problems that maybe you've already solved or you, they're just unsolvable, or they treat you, oh, you must be a victim or something. How have you overcome some of those? I'm sure you've had those same challenges because talking with others, they say that like they try to solve your problem or they say, well, you're just being a victim. How do you overcome those obstacles or those comments? Mm -hmm. Those are, those are great questions. And yes, I've heard all of those. And I've had some people who would cheer it on and some people who just think it was the worst thing in the world. So I've, I've received all kinds of comments. Um, my story, when I, when you're sharing a story, that's a vulnerable story, it really does have to come from the space of what, like, what did I, who was I before? What happened? Who am I now? And it's everything is in reflection to ourselves. So I started to stay really true. Like when I was writing my book, I had a lot of blinders on. I kept people at, I really kept my safe space so that I could focus on what I was writing. The intention for why I wrote was because I wanted to be able to provide solutions for somebody, even if they had never walked through my story. And I could have never foreseen how that would have unfolded, but it has been the case because here's the thing. We don't have to walk through the same stories to understand each other, to relate to each other, to connect to each other. We don't at all. We connect by emotions. We connect by pain. We connect by suffering. We connect by victories, right? The hero's journey. We all connect by those pieces and learning to speak from that space was what I had to do. So it took me some time to find a, I, I self-published with somebody who helped me with the process. And the first few that I interviewed were very much about glorifying the story. And I was like, that doesn't feel good. Like I knew my intention was never to do that because it was sharing my story. It wasn't sharing my boy's story. And so that's really the process that I did, which means that it was a very vulnerable story about myself. There was a lot of things in there that even some close friends I hadn't shared before because I, I had to put it in there in the book in that manner. And so when you're in a space, the one way I explain the victim mindset is if you're in the space of being stuck in your story, like when you're in your story, what you're doing is you're replaying scenarios, you feeling the emotions, you're looking at what could I've done differently. You're trying to justify your position that space, we all spend time in that space. So there's no shame involved. We all do. But staying there and living there will never create a solution. It will never create a solution. So the difference, how I like to explain it is that when I got to a space of being on my story, instead of in it, I had perspective. And as soon as you have perspective, you can start to see that, okay, how has this changed me? 
who am I now? What am I doing with this? Like, I really believe that every single thing we walk through makes us who we are. And I'm not saying that we have to be grateful for everything that we've come through because people have come through very traumatic things, but we also come to a space of recognizing that we wouldn't be the people we are today if we didn't come through that. And so that's the mindset piece. Some people will never let go of being a victim. And I'm not being critical of that because that's, that's just, that's their journey, right? That's their journey. But I often say that if you can't let go of being a victim, that is not the time to share your story because all you're going to do is attract more of that back in. You will mm. attract like the angry, that all the pieces back in. And if you actually really do want to create a change, that's not the time to do it. That is not the time to be vocal. Wow. That's, that's really good advice. And, and thank you for sharing that. Can you uh, maybe elaborate more? You say that these experiences have helped you become the person that you are today. Can you tell us what that is? Like, how have you, what is the type of person that you are now that you believe that you are? And how did these, maybe specific, maybe non-specific, what are the key areas that have helped you be the best person that you are now? Okay, this is a fantastic question, the way you've worded it, honestly, because I often say the things that we walk through make us who we are, but I don't know if anybody's asked me it that way. So I love this question. Before this, I was the mom who managed everything, right? I took care of everything. I like all the appointments, all the details. I worked full time. I was the busy, busy person. I'm going to say control freak for sure. I, that's the energy that I had. And that meant that was my job to keep the ship going smoothly. And this piece of control was coming from a space of it. I meant well, and I actually, I actually thought that's what my job was to be completely honest as a mom. It's like, I felt like I had signed this contract somewhere to say that it's my job to make sure nothing goes wrong, which is so ridiculous, but I do. That's what I believed. So when things started to go wrong, I felt like I was failing. And as I felt like I was failing, I was like beating myself up, but now I've got to try harder to fix them and change them. And, oh, now I'm navigating people's opinions and people's judgments and people's words. Okay. I got to navigate that too. Oh, I'm, and it just became this vicious cycle of never enough, like never enough, never being enough, never doing good enough job. And until I hit a point where it was like, I really believe we all hear the word surrender you can't surrender until it's the only option you have left. And when you're a person who has been a control freak for most of her life, because it worked, that was a survival mechanism that I learned from a young age. And so I think it helped me to build strength. I'm super resilient. I'm like, I don't give up. I persevere. And there comes a point in time where our strengths do become a weakness because they don't work for a certain situation. And that's what I kept hitting. It was like running into a wall over and over and over. It's like, Marcia, your way is not working. Like this mm. is not working. And so in that process, I came to a space through a lot of support, a lot of counseling. And I remember a counselor saying to me that if your boys come back to you, you need to be a springboard for them. And you're not even close to that right now. And that was a big aha moment, right? Like there was a moment where I sat there and went, I couldn't, I can't even support myself, let alone anyone else. So there's just nothing I could do. I slowly started to take care of me, make myself a priority, 
do the things that I needed to do. As they say, fill your cup, right? And I heard Lisa Nichols say this years ago, I think it's a really important point, is that we hear fill your cup. But really what it means is it's a cup and a saucer. You have to fill your cup to overflow and the overflow goes to others. The cup is always full. And the thing is, is that you can be like really doing a great job with your activities and the things you need to do, but that cup starts over every day. It's, it's a brand new cup every day. So you have to keep pouring back into yourself. I would talk that before. I didn't live that before. And now I live that. And the more I started to put back into me and take care of me, I was in a better position to handle what was happening in our lives. And so there came a point where like the person I am today is very different than who I was before. I'm still resilient, still persevere, all of those things. But I really learned to only carry what is mine. And if it's not mine, then I don't carry it. And I'm a lot better than I was even a couple of years ago in a sense of saying that I actually have had this conversation with both of them and they're incredible young men. My best teachers, hands down, is the fact that I will always love you and support you and cheer you on, but I can't fix your life for you. And I can't push and pull you through here. I will support you the whole time, but it's not mine to own. I want you to own what you're doing. And that level of freedom, like I'm just, I'm so grateful that I, I created change in myself. It just took a really difficult situation many years to get, to get here. It didn't happen overnight. I don't want to ever paint that picture. Yeah. Uh, okay. I'm going to ask a parenting advice question then. So uh, a little bit earlier on the parenting side, on my side, and typically in our audience, um, yeah. younger younger parents in our audience, at what point do you say, I can't make, these aren't my choices. They're their choices. At what, at what point, how does a parent do that? You know, the the younger kids, like we have to control their world, you know, and I'm talking like our, our first, second graders, like there's, there's so much that's happening. Like we really have to control that world, but at a certain point you have to let them make their choices good or bad. How do you, how does a parent change their perspective? When should they, and how do they, I don't even know how you do that. Yeah. Well, I was kind of forced into it, but it definitely is something that you're right. You're it, because here's the thing. I remember having a moment where I thought, you know, yeah, when they are young, you are responsible. You're a hundred percent responsible for everything that's happening to them. And there comes a point where you recognize that you don't share the same brain. Like they have their own brain. They have to be able to make some decisions. So some decisions could be super small with things. Like I remember, this sounds so silly, but I remember even when my kids were younger, grade one, grade two, you know, wanting to take like their favorite thing to school. And I remember saying, okay, but if you lose that, whose choice was it to bring to school? It's mine. I'm totally responsible, mom. I've got this. At the end of the day, it's gone, right? They've lost it. And it's a case of they, I remember, I remember specifically and losing it. And I'm like, but, but whose decision was it to take? It was my choice. I'm like, right. But here's the thing. And we do this a lot to ourselves. Yes. It's their choice. We don't need to shame them, ridicule them for mistakes that they're making because they're going to make 10,000 of them. Like we don't need to do that. It's like just owning this piece that that was your choice. Then also owning when they make really good choices. I think the more we can empower them 
to recognize that the choices that they're making are creating the life that they have or don't have, then that's going to help them in the process. That's not black and white because like all of the different things that they have come through. I even remember when my kids were younger and we're getting into trouble and one in particular, it was just like, okay, did you do that? Yes. Yes. I, well, actually, no, I didn't. Of course it was big. They're like, no, I didn't. I'm like, I think you did. And so, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure you did. And I remember at that time going, okay, well then if this is what you did, this was your choice. This is the, like, this is the consequence of it. And so keeping things more black and white, less emotion is really important. If I could have learned anything earlier, it would be to say less as a parent. Seriously, say less, say less, say less, say less. Because the more you talk, like you're just playing into the situation that they are, they're, they're very smart. Can we just say they're very smart? Yes. Yeah, very smart. Very so smart. I think, yeah, like encouraging them. And so that when they do have those wins, then they get to own that. So for example, it's just giving this picture in a, in a bigger picture. Um, my kids are 24 and 25 now. They're like, they're incredible. Like I said, incredible kids are doing, they're each probably more resilient than a lot of kids their age, but they both have been out of the house since they were 16. So they've had to figure things out in a different way. For both of them, they've gone completely different routes and both are doing jobs that they love and which a lot of adults can't even say. And they are like, they love it. And I've had conversations with both of them. For example, one was like, okay, but you helped me to do this. And I'm like, I did, but I didn't make you do it. You did it yourself. We can't own their wins. And a lot of times as parents, we identify with how well-behaved our kids are and how they do, because then I'm doing a good job. Yes. And we have to give that back to them because we want them to feel like that they have that confidence in themselves. So as they get older, they can make decisions on their own because they're not ours to keep. Like it's hard when they're little because we don't see that, but they're not ours to keep. They're for ours. They are for us to help them to grow into humans, to make decisions in their life outside of our home. It's mm -hmm. so true. You know, it's a, uh, we tend to think, you know, if they, if they fail or succeed, then we take that upon ourselves and wherever they do or whatever they go in life, it's all on us. And they, they are not an extension of us. And that's a whole nother conversation, but that's, that's such an unhealthy, you know, it is, it is unhealthy. mindset, very, very unhealthy for everybody. Uh, absolutely. For everyone. Yeah. I, I lived that not from previous generations. So it's so yeah. challenging as the child to live in that sense of I'm failing you because I'm not making the decision. Even if it's a good decision, if you're not making the decision that the parent wants you to make, uh, it, it's so defeating for the child to be able to, to live their life, even, even in that place. That is such a great point. Um, again, I realize I'm speaking to older, like kids who are older, mm -hmm. but I know when my son went back to school, went to high school, double up, finished in short time, went to a college program, something he absolutely wanted. He's doing incredibly well for himself now. I can't tell you how many people said to me, he says high school though. Like, what's he going to do with that? Like he needs to go to university. And I'm like, you know what? Right now he's alive. 
and he is taking like ownership in his life and he's doing something he loves. I'm thrilled. I didn't think we'd ever get here. So I think that's another piece of it is, is that how present can you stay? Like how present can you stay in that moment? Because that was another thing that my journey taught me is how to be more present instead of projecting all of my fears into the future. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. Because you don't know what the future is going to hold. So just, you None know, we only can make the next right decision or the next even decision. We yes. don't know what the next 10 are. And, you know, trying to map that out is impossible. Mm-hmm. So tell me, Marsha, maybe shifting the conversation a little bit to what you do. Um, this this is a great conversation. Um, kind of give us a taste of what you do as a coach or if somebody comes to you and say, I want to own my life choices. How, do, how does somebody do that? How do they engage with you? And what are some of the misconceptions they have when they come to you? Like, you're going to fix my life, right? Oh, for sure. That actually... <laughs> That and and it like sometimes again go back to social media. People will look at me and or things that I share online, and they're like, "I just want to be strong like you." And I'm like, "No, no, it no, that's not." First off, that's a misconception. You're looking at one snapshot in my day, and you're applying a lens to it that I didn't tell you to. Like that's where we have to be really mindful when it comes to to social media. So I think that's a big misconception. It's a misconception that it's easy that it's like, it's, it's easy once you do the steps. I think that we can all read anything, but until we actually have to put it into practice in our life is when it becomes very different. You know, when you actually have to put boundaries in place with family and you actually have to stop having conversations with people that are not serving you and you create change that not everybody agrees with that stuff is hard. It's, it isn't easy, but we all get to decide who gets in our circle. And so I mean, I always refer to that my inner circle was an invite only space and you could be a blood relative. You didn't get access. Like that was just just invite only because that's how much I had to protect my energy because it was so low. And so those are some of the things that I work with with clients. So there's a lot of misconceptions when people start, um, people will come to me and I've seen some, honestly, some unbelievable stories that have come in and, I can tell within the first, you know, few minutes of conversation, where are they in the journey? And is this something that, you know, not everybody has to get up and speak and write and, and talk about their story, but for a lot of people, they just want to find a way to not have that story, hold on to them the way that it does. They want freedom from that. So we do do some different, whether it's NLP techniques, we are looking at subconsciously, what are we holding on to? And then I do a lot of things with either timeline and storytelling and looking at their backstory, because that's essentially where my book came from, is looking at my backstory, looking at all the different things that I had come through, positive, negative challenges, whichever way you want to call it, and recognizing that there was a lot of common themes that, right, we do repeat patterns if we're not aware of them. And I found this during this process. So I work with clients where we look at it and start to recognize like, what are the top, you know, four or five lessons that you have learned because the lessons you learn when you walk through your story, make you an expert in that field, in that area. We tend to look at those things as our biggest weakness and they're actually not They're They're actually like, you've learned something and there's strength there. And when you really start to unpack and get clear on those lessons, you can start to see, okay, this, this is what someone else I could support someone else with. 
the one thing I always say is that someone somewhere is always praying for the solutions you're holding on to. And a lot of times we are coaching and supporting a younger version of us, right? A younger version of us who was on Google looking for solutions, trying to find some answers from somebody. And a lot of times they'll say like, what would it feel like if you could go back and support that version of yourself? And every time it's like, oh my, it would be amazing. Mick, I didn't have at that time, nobody was talking about these kinds of stories seven, eight years ago. It just didn't happen. And I wish it did. So that's what keeps me going. And that's how I help them to reframe and look at where are, where are you in your story and how can you help someone else? And so it really is just piecing those pieces together and then practice lots and lots of practice. Some of them, some of them, it is like that first vulnerable post that they put online and we help them to do that. And we teach them how to share that piece of themselves. They're scared to death. I get it. And then all of a sudden they're like, you wouldn't believe how many comments I got, like how much support is there? I'm like, there is support. Like we don't see it because we've already painted the worst case scenario in our head. And what happens is you're, as you continue down that path, you're going to get people that you've never met before leaving comments on your social media, in your DMS, because they hear you, they see you and they relate to you. And that's a piece that I think taking it back to what you said in the very, very beginning of the show today, Nate was the fact that so much of social media is that snapshot time and we're not getting the whole picture. When you start to let people see you like vulnerably see you, then all of a sudden they start to realize like, well, that's why I've been connecting to her. That's why I've been relating to what she's saying. And I really think deep down, the majority of us want to connect to real people. Yeah, it's so true. And uh, really the the path that social media has unfortunately taken is to create this fake world. And we really lost the real and as um, I think we, we talked even before the show, I think social media is reacting now where people want more real and they're really trying to restrict that as the more real we get, the more they restrict us and more people are getting blocked out of their accounts because they're actually relating about real things that really matter to them. And when we talk about things that really matter to us. Sometimes it doesn't come across all the right way. And if we don't really get to know that person, um, sure, you're going to get offended. But I have found that I have made some of the best relationship with people that I didn't think I agreed with. But when I started learning their story, I'm like, I didn't come to the same conclusion or I might not come to the same conclusion as you, but we're friends, regardless of that perspective or that conclusion you came to. And I think that's been the breakdown of social media where it has to be one way or another. And it's only one group or one person's opinion of how those stories should be shared. So I think it's it's so true as how do we how do we make the real? Maybe the real is we gotta get off social media altogether and and move on and just have real conversations like this. I I think that's one of the things I've loved about podcasting has allowed me to connect with people like real people have real conversations and really get to see like the, the depths of what people have come through. Because I, I mean, when you're going through a difficult time, you feel like you're the only person in the world who's ever been in this position. And it's not until you actually start to have conversations with people, you start to hear and see like their true vulnerability. It's like, Oh, that's not just me like that. It's not just me. And I think that's that connection piece that's there. 
And I think it's going to require a lot of us to continue to maybe step off of social in some way so that we are connecting with others because you're exactly right. Right, right now we're seeing it live time in the world where there's some pretty scary things that are happening that accounts are being shut down because it doesn't want to be shared. And so it's like, it's a curated feed, right? This is, we're back to the same thing again, is that it's curated by them telling us what is okay to see. But yeah. I, I see a lot of things pop up on my social media. I'm like, how is that okay? Like, how mm-hmm. is that okay? But this isn't. So it's, I'm not really sure what the, how they decide what's okay. But I do think that social media is a beautiful tool and it's not the be all end all. Yeah, I I agree so much. And, and I think, you know, I don't share specifics of my story on social media from the standpoint of, and and it may be a fear thing, maybe you need to work on me. (laughs) But my thing is, I put that out there. And then I get the messages of they didn't understand it, because I saw this snippet, you know, they saw this paragraph or this thing. And they they have a completely different perspective on it. It's like, if I can sit down and have a cup of coffee with you, and tell you my story, you're gonna go, oh, now I have the whole context of the story. Grabbing those little context pieces and pulling that completely apart doesn't do them a favor or or me a favor trying to tell that story uh, has been so challenging for sharing that because people just, they read it completely different than what your even intention was. And so just getting into those real conversations is so important. It's incredibly important. And you said two words there that I think are so important intention, like what's the intention that you're sharing it for? You know, if you, if you lead yourself and this is for yourself or anyone who's listening, if you lead yourself with the intention that I'm trying to put good out in the world, I'm trying to help somebody else, then you can stand by that. And I mean, I I had to be in a space of like, I know what my intention is. I know a lot of people, majority of people didn't agree with me, but I know what my intention is. I wish this was available for me years ago. I maybe wouldn't have spent so much time in isolation if I would have known it actually is not an isolated problem. I wouldn't have. And I think that's the first thing is knowing your intention. The second thing is you cannot control how somebody takes it because they have their lens on. And so they're going to see a snippet, an idea, and who knows something in your story or how you explain it can trigger someone else that has absolutely nothing to do with you. Like I've shared some of the comments that I've gotten on social media with my husband and he's just like, wow, like it's just, wow, people send that. And I'm like, yeah, in the beginning it was very, it was hard. And I'm not going to say it's not hard. I still get the odd one. But for everyone I get, I might get five or six that are really incredible messages. So we get to choose which ones we focus on. Yeah, it it's it's so true. You know, it's uh, it, it, again we were talking just before we started the podcast. You know, it's just like it's just like business. Like there's so many obstacles to getting to the goal that you want to. Don't let one defeating contact or one defeating contact or you know a lost sales lead or something like, you know. We spoke, I spoke with another um, guest a few weeks ago and it was, you know, if you sell, you know, a hundred different people, you you present to a hundred different people and you know that on average 20 of them will buy, then that just means if that one said no, that's okay. 
I'm going to have to get four no's to get one yes. And just just exactly. live on that. Just live. And, and you have to live like that because you know that not everybody's going to accept it. And it's fine. You know, maybe uh, I take it from a sales perspective. I've been in sales most of my career. It's um, some will, some won't. And a no today might be a yes tomorrow. You just never know. And you just keep on going. It, it, that's such a great point. Honestly, it is. When I look at the people that are in my life today, no joke, probably 95% of them weren't here before this. And so when I get scared or I'm not sure about sharing something, I stop and think who is in my life today because of me being choosing to be vulnerable and literally everyone. And so that's a reminder. And I've had people who really had strong opinions when I first started, who are now very much like embodying and doing a lot of the work that I'm doing. So people come at their own times, right? It takes time when we're dealing with, especially when you're, if you're with people and you've been holding on to stories for years, like it affects us in ways that I don't think we can fully comprehend and understand, but it does affect and impact us in a lot of ways. So it can take a lot of time for people to see and be open to seeing things in a different way. And some people never will. Yeah, so true. And mm -hmm. uh, it, it's so true. Well, Marsha, we, I think like we could talk for several hours and I, I really do appreciate your time today. And thanks so much for being a guest on the journey podcast. I feel like we've barely even scratched the surface um, of really what this is. You should go uh, listen to her podcasts and you should check uh, out her book and uh, just learn uh, more about her story and, and the work that she does. I think it can be very, very helpful uh, to those out there. And it's already been helpful here today. Um, tell me real quick, um, if is there any books you would recommend to the audience, obviously your own, uh, on these subjects or any other subject, you, you would definitely say you got to go read these books. Mm, that's a great point. Um, great question. Sorry. Is I started with, um, if you're interested in how to share difficult stories, but I learned through um, Glennon Doyle, Love Warrior was the very first book that I read that I went, oh, you can actually share. It's you're, This is going to sound like a very bizarre thing to share, but she shared a vulnerable story about how she was dealing with her addiction. And that became the eye-opening moment for me that it's like, you can share something that's difficult. Like I didn't see how to do that before. So that's a phenomenal book. And Brene Brown, I go back to her every single year, um, Darren Greatly. For me, it's like we get to choose how we live our life and we can um, stay in the arena. We can be like high in the bleacher seats of the arena. We can be on the floor in the arena or we can be outside of the arena. We get to decide. And that actually became the marker for what I decided somebody got an opinion in my life. Are they in the arena? Are they in the cheap seats shooting out advice? Or are they actually on the floor with me? If they're not on the floor with me, no, thank you. Not interested. And so that book, that's not the only thing she talked about, but that was a concept that I just kept coming back is that I don't want to regret any of the choices or decisions that I do or do not make in my life. So to me, Darren Greatly has always been a great book. Uh, thank you so much for that recommendation. If there's somebody listening and they want to start on that storytelling journey today, 
what is a, some advice you would give them to be able to take that first step? I think the first thing I would do is really like check the emotions of where are you in that journey? Are you still in a lot of anger or frustration or are you in a state where it's like, I want to, I don't want, I want to change this. I want to do something differently. A very simple um, exercise is to start almost write a timeline of your life and look at the different situations that you have come through, whether they're positive or negative, both. And you'll start to see and pieces of yourself and understand that you have a lot more in you than you think. And you have a lot more to offer. Those would be some of the very simple things that I would suggest to start with. And as well, I mean, I have over 460 episodes right now of own your choices on your life. And the number of stories of people who come through unbelievable challenges if you ever need a reminder that incredible things can happen, like start listening to podcasts, start doing things like that, because it really does show you what's possible. Great advice. Check out the podcast, uh, Own Your Choices. Uh, a lot of great stories on there. Marsha, I've asked you a lot of questions today. Is there anything you wish we would have covered before we end the episode? No, I honestly, your questions were fantastic. I really appreciate you having me on the show today, um, Nate. I really do. And I think that the last thing I'll just say is that if you're listening to this and you think, okay, but I don't want to stand up and share my story publicly, or I don't want to be on a podcast, or I don't want to write a book, then I, that's okay. You don't have to. But I would just say, ask yourself, if your story is holding you back from living the life that you were meant to live, then you owe it to yourself to be able to find a way to move away from that story and not let it define you because that is when you start to find true freedom in your life. Thanks so much for sharing that. Uh, tell the listeners where they can find you online, what's your website and any other social media you want to share. Perfect. Um, it's very easy because it's everything is Marsha Van W. I did it that way on purpose. So Marsha, M-A-R-S-H-A-V-A-N-W. That's my website, pretty much anywhere on social media. And if you type that in, start typing that in on Google, all of the things will come up that will be where you can find me. Wonderful. Yeah. Uh, check out Marsha and everything, all the resources she has. Excellent website there. Lots of resources through her podcast and her book. I definitely recommend it. Thanks so much for being a part of the Journey podcast today. Marsha, definitely was just a pleasure to spend some time with you today. Thank you for such a great interview and conversation, Nate. I really appreciate it. Sure. Thanks so much. You have a great day. You too.